This is day 240 of our daily Bible reading. We will be reading Revelation chapters 15 through 19. Lord Jesus, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for your fresh mercy and grace in our lives. Lord, as we are more acutely aware of our situation, knowing that you have saved us, you have made us new creatures, and you have called us to a higher purpose, help us to be working toward that end, Lord. Help us to see what we're supposed to be doing and to do those things. Because there's so much time spent in thinking or not thinking, but less time in action or no time in action at all. But help us, Lord, to put our hands to the labor, to begin to harvest like you've called us to do. Help us to be efficient harvesters of your word and of your gospel. Please bless the reading of your word today, in Jesus' name, amen. Then I saw another sign in heaven, great and marvelous, seven angels who had seven plagues, which are the last, because in them the wrath of God is finished. And I saw something like a sea of glass mixed with fire, and those who had been victorious over the beast and his image, and the number of his name, standing on the sea of glass, holding harps of God. And they sang the song of Moses, the bondservant of God, and the song of the Lamb, saying, Great and marvelous are your works, O Lord God, the Almighty. Righteous and true are your ways, King of the nations. Who will not fear, O Lord, and glorify your name? For you alone are holy. For all the nations will come and worship before you. For your righteous acts have been revealed. After these things I looked, and the temple of the tabernacle of testimony in heaven was opened, and the seven angels who had the seven plagues came out of the temple clothed in linen, clean and bright, and girded around their chests with golden sashes. Then one of the four living creatures gave to the seven angels seven golden bowls full of the wrath of God, who lives forever and ever. And the temple was filled with smoke from the glory of God and from his power, and no one was able to enter the temple until the seven plagues of the seven angels were finished. Then I heard a loud voice from the temple, saying to the seven angels, Go, and pour out on the earth the seven bowls of the wrath of God. So the first angel went and poured out his bowl on the earth, and it became a loathsome and malignant sore on the people, who had the mark of the beast and who worshipped his image. The second angel poured out his bowl into the sea, and it became blood like that of a dead man, and every living thing in the sea died. Then the third angel poured out his bowl into the rivers and the springs of water, and they became blood. And I heard the angel of the waters saying, Righteous are you, who are and who were, O Holy One, because you judged these things, 
for they poured out the blood of saints and prophets, and you have given them blood to drink. They deserve it. And I heard the altar saying, Yes, O Lord God, the Almighty, true and righteous are your judgments. The fourth angel poured out his bowl upon the sun, and it was given to it to scorch men with fire. Men were scorched with fierce heat, and they blasphemed the name of God who has the power over these plagues, and they did not repent so as to give him glory. Then the fifth angel poured out his bowl on the throne of the beast, and his kingdom became darkened. And they gnawed their tongues because of pain. And they blasphemed the God of heaven because of their pains and their sores. And they did not repent of their deeds. The sixth angel poured out his bowl on the great river, the Euphrates. And its water was dried up, so that the way would be prepared for the kings from the east. And I saw it coming out of the mouth of the dragon, and out of the mouth of the beast, and out of the mouth of the false prophet, three unclean spirits, like frogs. For they are the spirits of demons, performing signs, which go out to the kings of the whole world, to gather them together for the war of the great day of God, the Almighty. Behold, I am coming like a thief. Blessed is the one who stays awake, and keeps his clothes, so that he will not walk about naked, and men will not see his shame. And they gathered them together to a place which, in Hebrew, is called Har-Mageddon. Then the seventh angel poured out his bowl upon the air, and a loud voice came out of the temple from the throne, saying, It is done. And there were flashes of lightning, and sounds and peals of thunder, and there was a great earthquake, such as there had not been since man came to be upon the earth. So great an earthquake was it, and so mighty. The great city was split into three parts, and the cities of the nations fell. Babylon the Great was remembered before God, to give her the cup of the wine of his fierce wrath. And every island fled away, and the mountains were not found. And huge hailstones, about one hundred pounds each, came down from heaven upon men. And men blasphemed God because of the plague of the hail, because its plague was extremely severe. Then one of the seven angels, who had the seven bowls, came and spoke with me, saying, Come here, I will show you the judgment of the great harlot, who sits on many waters, with whom the kings of the earth committed acts of immorality. And those who dwell on the earth were made drunk with the wine of her immorality. And he carried me away in the spirit into a wilderness. And I saw a woman sitting on a scarlet beast, full of blasphemous names, having seven heads and ten horns. The woman was clothed in purple and scarlet, and adorned with gold 
and precious stones and pearls. Having in her hand a gold cup full of abominations and of the unclean things of her immorality. And on her forehead a name was written, a mystery. Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots and of the abominations of the earth. And I saw the woman drunk with the blood of the saints and with the blood of the witnesses of Jesus. When I saw her, I wondered greatly. And the angel said to me, Why do you wonder? I will tell you the mystery of the woman and of the beast that carries her, which has the seven heads and the ten horns. The beast that you saw was, and is not, and is about to come up out of the abyss and go to destruction. And those who dwell on the earth, whose name has not been written in the book of life from the foundation of the world, will wonder when they see the beast, that he was and is not and will come. Here is the mind which has wisdom. The seven heads are seven mountains on which the woman sits, and they are seven kings. Five have fallen. One is, and the other has not yet come. And when he comes, he must remain a little while. The beast which was and is not is himself also an eighth and is one of the seven, and he goes to destruction. The ten horns which you saw are ten kings who have not yet received a kingdom, but they receive authority as kings with the beast for one hour. These have one purpose, when they give their power and authority to the beast. These will wage war against the Lamb, and the Lamb will overcome them, because he is Lord of lords and King of kings, and those who are with him are the called and chosen and faithful. And he said to me, The waters which you saw where the harlot sits are peoples and multitudes and nations and tongues. And the ten horns which you saw, and the beast, these will hate the harlot, and will make her desolate and naked, and will eat her flesh, and will burn her up with fire. For God has put it in their hearts to execute his purpose, by having a common purpose, and by giving their kingdom to the beast, until the word of God will be fulfilled. The woman whom you saw is the great city, which reigns over the kings of the earth. After these things, I saw another angel coming down from heaven, having great authority, and the earth was illumined with his glory. And he cried out with a mighty voice, saying, Fallen, fallen is Babylon the great. She has become a dwelling place of demons, and a prison of every unclean spirit, and a prison of every unclean and hateful bird. For all the nations have drunk of the wine of the passion of her immorality, and the kings of the earth have committed acts of immorality with her, and the merchants of the earth have become rich by the wealth of her sensuality. 
I heard another voice from heaven, saying, Come out of her, my people, so that you will not participate in her sins and receive of her plagues. For her sins have piled up as high as heaven, and God has remembered her iniquities. Pay her back, even as she has paid, and give back to her double, according to her deeds, in the cup which she has mixed. Mix twice as much for her. To the degree that she glorified herself and lived sensuously, to the same degree give her torment and mourning. For she says in her heart, I sit as a queen, and I am not a widow, and will never see mourning. For this reason, in one day, her plagues will come, pestilence and mourning and famine, and she will be burned up with fire. For the Lord God who judges her is strong. And the kings of the earth, who committed acts of immorality and lived sensuously with her, will weep and lament over her when they see the smoke of her burning, standing at a distance because of the fear of her torment, saying, Woe, woe, the great city Babylon, the strong city! For in one hour your judgment has come. And the merchants of the earth weep and mourn over her, because no one buys their cargoes anymore, cargoes of gold and silver and precious stones and pearls and fine linen and purple and silk and scarlet and every kind of citron wood and every article of ivory and every article made from very costly wood and bronze and iron and marble and cinnamon and spice and incense and perfume and frankincense, and wine, and olive oil, and fine flour, and wheat, and cattle, and sheep, and cargoes of horses, and chariots, and slaves, and human lives. The fruit you long for has gone from you, and all things that were luxurious and splendid have passed away from you, and men will no longer find them. The merchants of these things, who became rich from her, will stand at a distance because of the fear of her torment, weeping and mourning, saying, Woe, woe, the great city, she who was clothed in fine linen and purple and scarlet, and adorned with gold and precious stones and pearls. For in one hour such great wealth has been laid waste. And every shipmaster, and every passenger, and sailor, and as many as make their living by the sea, stood at a distance, and were crying out as they saw the smoke of her burning, saying, What city is like the great city? And they threw dust on their heads, and were crying out, weeping and mourning, saying, Woe, woe, the great city! in which all who had ships at sea became rich by her wealth. For in one hour she has been laid waste. Rejoice over her, O heaven, and you saints and apostles and prophets, 
because God has pronounced judgment for you against her. Then a strong angel took up a stone, like a great millstone, and threw it into the sea, saying, So will Babylon, the great city, be thrown down with violence, and will not be found any longer. And the sound of harpists, and musicians, and flute players, and trumpeters, will not be heard in you any longer. And no craftsman of any craft will be found in you any longer. And the sound of a mill will not be heard in you any longer. And the light of a lamp will not shine in you any longer. And the voice of the bridegroom and bride will not be heard in you any longer. For your merchants were the great men of the earth, because all the nations were deceived by your sorcery. And in her was found the blood of prophets and of saints and of all who have been slain on the earth. After these things, I heard something like a loud voice of a great multitude in heaven, saying, Hallelujah! Salvation and glory and power belong to our God, because his judgments are true and righteous. For he has judged the great harlot, who is corrupting the earth with her immorality, and he has avenged the blood of his bondservants on her. And a second time they said, Hallelujah! Her smoke rises up forever and ever. And the twenty-four elders and the four living creatures fell down and worshipped God, who sits on the throne, saying, Amen! Hallelujah! And a voice came from the throne, saying, Give praise to our God, all you his bondservants, you who fear him, the small and the great. Then I heard something like the voice of a great multitude, and like the sound of many waters, and like the sound of mighty peals of thunder, saying, Hallelujah! For the Lord our God, the Almighty, reigns. Let us rejoice and be glad and give the glory to him. For the marriage of the Lamb has come, and his bride has made herself ready. It was given to her to clothe herself in fine linen, bright and clean. For the fine linen is the righteous acts of the saints. Then he said to me, Write, Blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, These are true words of God. Then I fell at his feet to worship him. But he said to me, Do not do that. I am a fellow servant of yours and your brethren who hold the testimony of Jesus. Worship God. For the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. And I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse, and he who sat on it is called Faithful and True, and in righteousness he judges and wages war. 
His eyes are a flame of fire, and on his head are many diadems. And he has a name written on him which no one knows except himself. He is clothed with a robe dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. And the armies which are in heaven, clothed in fine linen, white and clean, were following him on white horses. From his mouth comes a sharp sword, so that with it he may strike down the nations, and he will rule them with a rod of iron, and he treads the winepress of the fierce wrath of God, the Almighty. And on his robe and on his thigh he has a name written, King of Kings, and Lord of Lords. Then I saw an angel standing in the sun, and he cried out with a loud voice, saying to all the birds which fly in mid-heaven, Come, assemble for the great supper of God, so that you may eat the flesh of kings, and the flesh of commanders, and the flesh of mighty men, and the flesh of horses, and of those who sit on them, and the flesh of all men, both free men and slaves, and small and great. And I saw the beast, and the kings of the earth, and their armies assembled to make war against him, who sat on the horse and against his army. And the beast was seized, and with him the false prophet, who performed the signs in his presence, by which he deceived those who had received the mark of the beast, and those who worshipped his image. These two were thrown alive into the lake of fire, which burns with brimstone. And the rest were killed with the sword, who came from the mouth of him who sat on the horse. And all the birds were filled with their flesh. At long last do we see judgment being performed. Have you ever felt that way, where you wonder, Lord, when are you going to enact justice and judgment upon the evil of this world? Here it is. This is where it's going to happen. It may be not in your lifetime. There may appear to be, and we've seen that many times throughout the Bible, where the bad guys get away with it. But did you see that the good guys will win in the end? That Jesus Christ will come and will enact judgment upon all who deserve it? It will happen. It is a promise. So we need to remember that, that God is not short-sighted and God is not slow. God has his timing and it will be accomplished. Don't forget that this existence on earth is a very short time in comparison to eternity, which is coming ahead. So let them have their fun right now. Let them. They're not going to have it for the rest of eternity. They're going to be in suffering and misery if they don't know Christ. That is what they're exchanging. They're exchanging the truth of God for a lie. And they are worshiping themselves or the creatures of the earth rather than the Creator who is blessed forever. Amen.
Romans chapter 1. You see how it all fits together? The wrath of God is revealed from heaven, and here it is fully revealed. So we see at the beginning of chapter 15 that there is one final set of plagues, the seven bowls of God. And so we see that they're preparing for that in chapter 15. And then in chapter 16, we see that the seven bowls are poured out. So of those seven bowls, what did we see? We saw the first one, which was painful sores. The second bowl, where all the oceans were basically destroyed. All sea life was annihilated. The third bowl, all the rivers were smitten, turned into blood. Now, the thing about this is that they're told to drink this. Now, the thing is, is when it comes to water mixed with blood, if you drink seawater mixed with blood, it is toxic. However, if you drink fresh water with blood mixed in, then it is disgusting, but you're not going to die from it. So it makes sense when you read verse 6, where it says, They poured out the blood of saints and prophets, and you have given them blood to drink. They deserve it. That is what I'm talking about here. So yes, they spilled the blood of innocence, and now they're going to have to drink it. They're going to get the fruit of their labors. The fourth bowl being scorching, and we read that in 2 Peter, right? Peter talked about how the world was going to be melted with intense heat. And this is where we see this happen. An angel stood on the sun and scorched men with fire. And if you notice through the rest of these plagues, none of them repent. All of them are just angry and hateful toward God rather than recognizing his power and submitting to him. They will be put onto their knees very soon. They'll be forced onto their knees by the King of Kings, Lord of Lords. They don't repent here, and that's so sad. The fifth bowl is darkness. All the world is covered with darkness, it seems. The sixth bowl, the great river Euphrates, is dried up. Now, is this the same river Euphrates that is currently in the Middle East or Africa? Well, yeah, it is, but some people are like, well, the Garden of Eden is going to be revealed at this point. No, no, it's not. Don't forget that the Garden of Eden was protected for a time. But then when the flood came, it wiped out everything. The Garden of Eden was destroyed. The Euphrates River that we know today may not be the same Euphrates River that was before the flood. We don't know that. So no, we're not going to discover the Garden of Eden. That's been long gone. That is no longer anything we need to worry about. So let's not try and look for it. It's not there. Besides, even if you found it, how would you be able to distinguish that it is the Garden of Eden, besides an angel with flaming swords? That's the only thing that will be a distinguishing factor, because everything else just shows you it was a lush vegetative garden. That's it. There's nothing else that was unique about that. And then we see in verse 16 of chapter 16 that they are gathering together for the final battle, which is called Armageddon in Hebrew, or what we call Armageddon in English. Now, 
Armageddon means the Mount of Megiddo. And what's significant about this place in the Bible is that we had some big Old Testament fights there in the past, such as when the judge, Barak, and Deborah went against the Canaanites in Judges chapter 4. That was one time that this place, Megiddo, was involved in a battle. But then also when Gideon was against the Midianites in Judges chapter 7, there was also a battle here at Megiddo. So this is a famous place for combat, it seems. But this seems to be where the final battle will take place, a physical place called the Plains of Megiddo, right by the mountains. Maybe. We'll see. And then we have the seventh bowl, which is widespread destruction of all kinds. I mean, it says hailstones like the world has never seen, and every island is basically destroyed at this point. Mountains were not found. Maybe they were leveled. And then it says that hailstones, 100 pounds each, falling from the sky. That is incredibly heavy hailstones. That will kill anybody in an instant and destroy any building and any vehicle. Nothing's going to survive that. The only way you can survive that is if you hide somewhere. And at this point, all the mountains are gone, so where are you going to hide? Then we go to chapter 17. And this is going to talk about the great harlot, Babylon the Great. There is a famous city, Babylon. We've seen that in the Old Testament, but this is not what it's talking about here. This is symbolic. This is a religious Babylon. And this whole chapter, if you know the Catholic Church, should sound a lot like it. Because I believe that this chapter is about the Catholic Church. There are so many correlations and so many connections here that tie to the current Catholic Church. They were involved in so many things. They're always super ornate, super worried about appearances. You know, they're filled with immorality, all sorts of idolatry, demon worship. They've given in, and it's in their doctrine, that they've allowed pagan gods to enter in so that Catholicism would be more appealing to people. It says that she sits on many waters, and the Catholic Church has global influence and is considered a world power. And it wouldn't surprise me if they control the world behind the scenes. Because what do you see in common? Even people that are not Catholic go to the Vatican, or the Pope visits with world leaders across the world unrestricted. He can go anywhere, even if the nation itself does not profess Catholicism. There's something about that. And so it wouldn't surprise me if any of this was true. Not only that, but the blood of saints has been poured out. Some good people along the way have been killed in the name of Catholicism, professing the name of Christ, but really denying his power and giving it to Satan instead. That is the deepest dark sin. Many people who have gone against the Catholic Church throughout history have been murdered. You go through the Crusades, the Spanish Inquisition, you go through the Holocaust. All of that is from the Catholic Church. If you don't believe me, look it up. 
So it wouldn't surprise me if this is referring to the Catholic Church, and this is headed by the Antichrist. So what we would see, in, and we'd also see it in chapter 18 as well, is a revived empire of Rome. And what's in Rome? The Catholic Church. That's, there's no denying there's something here, right? There's got to be something here that points to that direction. There's much more I can go into detail, but I'll spare you that. If you, but if you do want to know, I highly recommend looking it up or asking me. I did an in-depth study on that. And what I do know, I also shared with you on previous episodes of this podcast where I did specifically about the Catholic Church. So take a listen to those for more insight onto what I'm talking about here. So in chapter 18, judgment is pronounced against this woman, Babylon. And then all the people are loving her because she's made them rich. She's made them full of immorality. And then the Lord's going to burn her up with fire. And it's going to be, and it's going to be quick. And it's described here as being one hour. So I don't know if that's a literal one hour, if that's a symbolic one hour, as in being it happened very quickly. I'm not sure. And then it says that the people of the earth will be in anguish over this. They will be really depressed and distraught over what's happening because how am I going to make money now? How is this seemingly invincible organization now destroyed? Now we can't make any money off her. Now we can't enjoy our immoralities with her. And then in verses 20 through 24, it shows why we should be celebrating that. That these things are happening because God is pronouncing judgment at long last. And then it says that in verse 21, a large millstone was picked up and thrown into the sea. And basically that millstone reminds me of what Jesus said about children, right? He said, if any of these leads these children away, it is better for them to tie a millstone around their neck and be thrown into the sea. It's that same kind of illustration here where leading innocent people astray is such a terrible thing. And that's what the church has been doing for a very long time. And so they're going to get what's coming to them on this. They're sins are going to be wrapped around their neck like a millstone, and they're going to be cast into the sea, much like if you deceived a child. And then finally, at long last, we have the glorious second coming of Christ in chapter 19. It has been announced. All of the creation and all the angels are worshiping him, and everyone is getting excited for what's about to happen. Because it says that in verse 7, Let us rejoice and be glad and give the glory to him. For the marriage of the Lamb has come, and his bride has made herself ready. Who is his bride? If Jesus is the groom, who's the bride? The church. The church of Jesus Christ. Those are the ones that are the bride of Christ. Why do I know this? Because it says here that the fine linen that she's going to wear are the righteous acts of the saints. And the saints are Christians. So you and I are part of the bride of Christ. 
And it says in verse 9 as well, Blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. That's what, that's what we are. We are invited. That is amazing. And we have that to look forward to. And you see John gets so overwhelmed with what he's seeing that he falls at the feet of the angel who's telling him all this and trying to worship him. And the angel has the proper attitude. Don't do that. I'm a servant. Worship God. You see, he knows. He knows that he's not going to make the same mistake as Satan and the demons did. He redirected John's worship toward God himself. We should be the same way. We should not be directing our worship to someone or something. There is no middleman when it comes to this. So it's much like, again, Catholic Church. I'm sorry I'm picking on them, but it's here we go. I mean, this is the truth. I'm not going to apologize for what the truth is. They give their worship to objects. They give their worship to things that are of no value. And that thing or that person, being the priest or whatever, takes it to God. No, you take it to God. You worship God. All of this is in their Bible, too. So this is nothing new to them. They just need to understand it for how God wants it to be understood. Because again, these things are spiritually appraised. And then we see our commander, our savior, appear. His name called Faithful and True. He's sitting on his white horse, and he looks impressive. He has a name written on him that no one knows except himself. I'm not quite sure what that means, but this is perhaps the same name that he will write on those that overcome. Because if you remember what he was telling the churches in chapters 2 and 3, he said that, I will write on you a name that no one knows. And so maybe that's the same name. I don't know. He's clothed with a robe dipped in blood. Whose blood did he dip his robe in? The blood of his enemies. Those are the only ones that are going to be suffering right now. He's going to be destroying his enemies, and he's going to have their blood on him. He is called the Word of God. And this is a reoccurring theme with John as well. This is the third book that he's written where he's talked about Jesus being the Word. So he's come. He's brought his angels with him. And they're ready to do battle. He has King of Kings, Lord of Lords written on him. And then we see an angel call together all the birds of the air because... There's going to be a war, and after the war, there's going to be so many bodies laid dead that somebody needs to eat it. And so all these birds are ready for the feast. And then we see the war actually take place. And it doesn't last long. You, only, you see it described here as only being a couple verses. So in my opinion, I think that this is going to be a swift battle because Jesus Christ is so powerful and so mighty that... No one is going to be able to stand against him. It's going to be a quick slaughter. It's not going to be a long, drawn-out thing because that would suggest that they have a fighting chance, and they don't. They are so underpowered compared to the mighty forces of heaven that it's going to be a swift destruction from all that oppose the Lord. And it says that the beast was seized. Who's the beast? That's the Antichrist and the false prophet, whom I think will be the Pope. 
they will be cast into the lake of fire alive. It's very interesting how that is described there. It doesn't say that they are changed into an eternal body and thrown in. They're thrown in as is, and maybe that's far worse of a punishment than those that go to judgment and then are cast into hell. I don't know, but it seems like it. So they're going to be the first ones thrown into the lake of fire. The rest are going to get thrown in later, after the judgment. But they're the first ones. And then tomorrow, we're going to wrap this up. And we're going to see our enemy defeated. We're going to see Christ glorified. We're going to see what we have in store for us at the end. One more day. We're almost there. One more day. But until then, thank you for listening. I'm Ryan, and we'll see you tomorrow. Take care, and God bless you.